0: Welcome to the Spindrift Podcast with me, Aoife Glass. Each week, I'm joined by a different, brilliant person from the world of cycling, from pro riders to industry insiders, and from community advocates to everyday adventurers. We'll be talking bikes, life, adventure, and everything in between and all around. My guest this episode is the amazing Anila McKenna, or as you might know her from Instagram, Mrs Goware. She's a mountain biker, guide, co-founder of the Goware Scotland Mountain Bike Holiday Company and Diversity, Inclusion and Wellbeing Manager at the Scottish Parliament and, well, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Join us as we talk about how Anila got into cycling, some of her memorable moments, her new role with British Cycling, which is pretty exciting, her favourite trail snacks, her experience of diversity and inclusion in cycling itself, and some of the projects that she's going to be working on in 2021. So let's get started. To start us off, could you um, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and the various hats that you wear? Because you, you do a number of different jobs.
1: Yes, I've got I've got various hats that I have, and I think the only reason I do that is to, to keep me keep me excited and on my toes. Um, I like to be challenged, so uh, I get myself involved in lots of lots of different things. Um, yeah, I do work at the Parliament. I've been the Diversity, Inclusion, and Wellbeing Manager there for. A long time, sixteen years to be to be to precise and um, but in in addition to that i 've been working there about part time and I have been uh, working on a consultancy business for myself around diversity, inclusion in the outdoors and cycling and that 's connected to my work as a partner, mountain bike guide, mountain bike coach of Gower Scotland, which is a cycling business within Scotland, providing wonderful mountain bike holidays and beautiful places that we haven't been to for over a year. Uh, but hopefully we'll get back there one day when, uh, when COVID um, restrictions ease and we're allowed to do what we can. So, so yeah, lots of hats. And uh, for me, it's more, you know, obviously I've got all these various things that I do, but I do a lot of voluntary work as well, uh, working with uh, young girls and women in cycling, and uh, and just giving support to to, to various charities and in, um, in
0: empowering people to, to go ride bikes. There's so much we can we can delve into here, and we're, we're going to do our best to get through as much of this as possible, but I feel like we need about five <laughs> different podcasts just to cover what you do, Anila, and um, we, we could chat for hours. Um, but let's, let's sort of go back and and talk a bit more about the early days of vanilla and cycling, um, to start us off with. So, I mean, it's something that I'm going to ask everybody because I, I find it really interesting to, to hear about how people got into cycling in the first place. And, you know, some people did it as they were, you know, when they were little kids and then they kept going, some people did it and then stopped. Some people got into it later. How did cycling come into your life?
1: Oh yes, yeah, so cycling came into my life when I was in my 20s. The first experience I ever had of a bike was when I was on the back of a chopper that my brother owned. Uh, and I remember that experience vividly when I was about eight years old. I, I never had uh, a bike given to me as a as a youngster but I was uh, allowed to, to get a baccy on, on my brother's chopper at the time and I absolutely loved that experience. So that was my first first time that I was on a bike, but um, I never really got the chance to, to, to ride until somebody introduced me to it. Uh, I was kind of loved my aerobics, you know, I used to go to the gym. Um, I wasn't really aware of the countryside. I think when I was a, a youngster, as a young Scottish Pakistani girl, we, we never, we very rarely went out of the, the kind of city and our only green space was the, the local park. It was, called, it was a very famous park called Glen, uh, Kelvin Grove Park. And that was really what our experience of green space was. So it was only when I met my my boyfriend at the time, Andy, who who forced me to to ride bikes, <laughs> uh, if he wanted me to go on a date with him, and uh, I reluctantly went and uh, went to the the, the mugged up Country Park, which is out in the outskirts of Glasgow, to have a date with him and. Uh, Ride bikes, and I remember the feeling of fear and thinking, "What the hell am I doing? <laughs> uh, this guy's just taking me down this incredibly steep hill, and I have no experience of what I'm really doing here." But I was just happy to be alive. <laughs>
0: by the time I got down the hill, <laughs> do you think that's part part of it? Because I remember the first time I went, I was mountain biking. I was I was older, in my twenties as well, and like I remember like there'd be like a twig like a tiny twig on the trail and i would be like oh my god is the bike gonna go over this obviously it does but I think you know (laughs) is it that sort of like thank god I'm still alive that was such a buzz that that got you got you into it or was there was there something else about it or a combination of factors because it clearly stuck yeah well well, it wasn't. It wasn't the conquer of the
1: twig. Uh, I think maybe, maybe. I'm not sure that that was what worked for me. But um, I think we took a, a trip to Chamonix in 1999, and I remember the Le Petit Balcon, which is uh, one of the lower uh, tracks that Andy and I um, we took our bikes over. And uh, you know, it was my first mountain bike holiday. I just remember how I I started to fall in love with with riding and the experience of just getting out every single day and exposing myself to, to to you know the the sport that you know I was I was into but I wasn't really into. I was only doing it for the sake of hanging out with Andy. But that that holiday really really brought it home to me that how uh, how how mountain biking just makes you focus on what you're doing and just sort of eradicates everything from your memory anything that's going on in your life that you just enjoy being in the moment Uh, so yeah that was one thing but I think I really found it when I uh, had the experience to actually ride with some women you know so in the in the late 90s can you get would you want to count how many women were riding uh, mountain bikes I, I can't
0: imagine it's a huge number
1: well, it was only me and this uh, and this woman, Shona Carnegie. That was that was the partner of Andy's yep. friend Willie, who was as re- reluctant as me to ride bikes. But she could, if she could only see her partner, then she had to ride nice. bikes with him. So she's the same as me. I think she had some reluctance for you know for the first few goes, but uh, started to realise that actually the sports the sport is is really quite enjoyable and exciting. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was it was when I uh, started to ride with with more women and and independently of Andy, that uh, you know just start, started to learn about not just riding your bike but actually experiencing the outdoors, learning to be self sufficient, taking other women out to ride and being empowered by that by yourself, but knowing that you've empowered others at the same time.
0: And it's interesting because. You know, you you talked about the start there, like all the different elements that you you do now, and it seems like that was there in place from from right from the beginning of your um your cycling journey, for want of a better word, that whole thing of of exploration and empowerment and bringing other people in and introducing more women to the sport. You you've always had that. Yes,
1: I have. I've I've um, uh. I think because of my own experiences, um, uh, growing up as a as a young girl and growing up as a young asian girl and you know i had a family that uh, that uh, i was you know we had domestic abuse in the in the family and and so i lost a lot of opportunities as a young girl to to do the things that i wanted to do um and i had to rebel unfortunately against the culture to 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 gain what i, I wanted to do and so you know, I think that's been something that has driven me for for the rest of my days and my career and what I, I want to achieve in life is is to give other people that opportunity to to experience great things and to experience mountain biking. I mean, it's we say that you know the outdoors is free, but it's it's not really because lots of people still don't access it. And uh, but just think about the sheer exhilaration we get from riding bikes imagine giving that to people that that don't even know it
0: exists and that's it's it's something that I think a lot of people become more aware of both in terms of like actual physical access so like you know people who live in the cities that might not have transportation links it's just it's just hard to get to these places but then also in terms of the attitudes um and biases and um prejudices yeah attitudes biases and prejudices that a lot of people face um when they um what you know if they want to go and explore the outdoors is that something that you've experienced yourself well just to go go back
1: first of all to what you were Mm. saying there about the outdoors and i think one thing you know about people's attitudes is that covid has had a massive impact on how we are all thinking Mm. about vulnerable groups because people have been had people have experienced Vulnerability for the first time ever. If you if somebody has not experienced discri- discrimination or prejudice, but actually through this crisis, we it's been forced upon us uh, to be in a situation that we don't want to be in. Mm. I think it's opened people's eyes to to what vulnerability it feels like for others. And so it's opened a conversation around prejudice, diversity, inclusion, access that we never really have had before. I mean we've talked about Black Lives Matter and yes, that's that's really, you know, moved us to a different place in cycling and and it's great, but I I I think COVID has has a lot to do with it and I think people I've shown a lot of kindness through it as well mm. because we've been talking a lot about self-care and taking care of each other and the whole nhs campaign and it's i think it's been a, a real eye-opener for people that actually may allow them and their own experience to understand what other people's experiences are like
0: one of the things that's been difficult i think as well like so you've had on the one hand that happening but then you've other on the other hand you've got um through the lens of social media you've seen to also have a lot more people being really shouty and negative and it just feels like at the moment you've you've got so much good happening and then so much anger out there as well how how um do you think that's that covid has amplified that or is that is this all you know Is this all been brewing or is this is this is covid brought things to a head I like
1: having the shouty negative people out there because then other people could learn from that. You know, uh, it's all been hidden, silenced. But I think, you know, the way that the the world is changing, I think, and Twitter and social media, I think we, unfortunately, some, uh, you know, political spheres have allowed, you know, that permission for Mm. people to to speak up and and uh show their prejudices and express their opinions. Yeah. And obviously that hasn't been helpful in many ways, but the one thing that you can take from that is it's it's exposed. Yeah. And to think that we're in our little bubble of cycling and it's all wonderful and you know we're all a big happy family I think you start to realize that there's some total idiots in it yeah and and we don't want that you know we don't want to have people that are making judgment of others and we need to to close that down so 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 yes you'll have your social media warriors and we have we have some good people that actually challenge that in the in the, the cycling industry and online but it's not the only thing. It's that's only a, a minority voice. We have to do a lot more than just deal with these um, numpties on, on social media. We have to look at culture, we have to look at yeah. organisations, we have to look at ourselves as leaders in the industry and how mm-hmm. we're actually how we can have an impact, how we can make a difference. And how we can empower others to to lead on diversity, inclusion and to actually use your own privilege to help
0: mm.
1: influence change and, um, and allow
0: others to, to have a voice and to speak up. And you have an awful lot of very defensive people who are like, oh, no, it's not true. I haven't seen it. This isn't. I, you know, I've never seen this happen. I see plenty of of people of colour outriding, you know, there's there's out-and-out racism and there's that insidious, these insidious views and opinions that are there that, that, you know, say, oh, no, the status quo is fine, we don't need to change anything. That's because the system works for them. Absolutely. And it's just because you've never seen it and you've never had to deal with it and you've never had this in your face because of the position you were in, and that's not to say you haven't struggled does not mean that it's not there and it's not happening and it's okay that it, it continues in this way do you feel like the cycling industry is actually trying to make a change or are we still at the superficial level of it's one thing using imagery but it's another thing to actually change culture
1: mm, so you've got quite a lot of things there at <laughs>
0: Sorry, it's like, just thought i'd just go
1: in with Ooh. a load of
0: stuff and i, I might be might be off the no anyway. I,
1: it's it's you know it's really good what you're saying, and um you know superficial is that tokenistic you know that's the question mm. what do we, are we actually bringing about real meaningful change or is it or is it superficial so so yes, that's something we need to be mindful of, but I think what you were talking about earlier about that defensiveness, and i you know, really liked your description there, and what you were describing is a privilege it's people's privilege and they don't even realize that they're talking from a position of privilege and i don't mean that that if you've got privilege that you yourself haven't experienced difficult times it's just about not having the experience of that particular group who has faced discrimination or inequality in society so you will get that defensive nature and with every people's struggle, there will always be resistance. The journey that we're going through in cycling is that we are, we are, we're having to deal with that resistance and we need enough voices to be speaking up to challenge it. Because if we don't, then things will stay the same. And I think what's changing in the cycling industry is that there are more voices speaking up. And I'm not just saying that they are the people that are the groups that have been that are marginalized or um, underrepresented. It's, it's all people, you know that uh, people from, from all different backgrounds that are, are speaking up. Um, whether it's people that recognize that they have their own privilege or it's it's people that feel that enough is enough that I've been silent for too long and I actually want to speak up about my experience and discrimination. There's a lot more of that in the in in our cycling community, and that's not going to go away. those people are not going to go away unfortunately, it's hard for them because they they have to experience that, that resistance from people, but I think it's about courage and it's about being able to have that courage to speak up and being, being able to know that you're doing a good thing when you're, when you're doing that. And I know there's a lot of people out there now and I'm just so excited right now to be working with leaders in the industry Um and who actually have a real position of power to, to change things and to make them highly inclusive leaders. That's, that's what my kind of passion is now is to, to get people to be inclusive in their approach so that they themselves can actually bring about that, that change.
0: So, Anila, I know that you've got um, yet another string to your bow that
1: you've just added.
0: Can you tell us about your new role with British Cycling?
1: Yes. Well, um, I'm actually really delighted to be joining their new group, which is the Diversity Inclusion Advisory Group. Um, it's, uh, It's just been set up. I actually had the first meeting with the group this evening, and there was a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of passion, it's an incredible group of people on the on the group itself with, um, you know, many different experiences, backgrounds around diversity and inclusion. And uh, the, the group is, is there to, to support British Cycling in setting its strategic framework around diversity and inclusion for the future.
0: And what kind of things will you be doing or is it, is it early days? Are you kind of working out what kind of things you'll be doing at this point?
1: Yeah, it's, it's early days for sure. And, you know, diversity and inclusion doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a long journey and we, we accept that. And so that's, you know, we need to, to recognise that as a group. Um, but we're there uh, in an advisory capacity and British Cycling have made a commitment and a strong commitment to saying, okay, enough's enough, diversity and inclusion, the representation of people in cycling this needs to be representative of our mm-hmm. communities in the UK and we need to make that happen. So this group has been set up to advise British Cycling on their, their strategy around yeah. diversity and inclusion, yeah. how they can get everyone to enjoy the benefits of cycling in the UK um, and to be able to, to set their, their action plans You know, around what their priorities are going to be I think the most important thing is a is being a critical friend you know and what I mean by that yeah what what I mean by that is that we're there to to challenge the organization but we challenge them in a constructive way
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. and do you like is it is it going to be sort of British Cycling's outward-facing activities? Is there going to be an inward-facing element as well? So looking at sort of the organizational structure and how they, how they organize themselves, how they communicate internally, how they, how they involve people internally.
1: Yes, it's looking inwards and outwards. Um, it's quite a complex organization, and I'm learning myself what it's all about. You know, it's got its volunteers, its clubs it's uh, educational side, um, uh, you know, it's membership, uh, the, the their athletes, um, you know, it, their, the, the cycling teams, there's just, there's so many different aspects to it um, that they, that they that, you know, where they could make a difference around diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion, but they also need to look inwards as well at their own culture and how they make decisions so that we're not just having specific programs for specific groups, but it's actually embedded into what they do. And in their decision-making, they think about diversity inclusion as something that's normal, practiced, rather than it being, a you know, an extra ad. You know, it is, it is about giving everybody that, that opportunity. And we know at this moment in time that not everybody has that opportunity. And sometimes when we are in cycling, Sometimes we think it's a great place to be, and it is a great place to be, but it's how we share that with others is the challenge, and because that's where the barriers lie. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. People may not have experienced cycling as a sport. They may not have, have role models or the influences around them to see it as a choice for them. So it's about creating those opportunities that, that people, people don't necessarily have.
0: Enjoying the Spindrift podcast? If you like what you're listening to and want to show your support, then pop over to Patreon. You can help us share more amazing stories and become part of the Spindrift community. And now, back to the podcast. What would you say are your most memorable cycling moments? Like the things that you... (laughs) Those treasured memories that you go back to or... These trails you can almost remember riding. Do you know
1: what my, my, my most memorable experiences are? My most memorable experiences are my worst experiences. <laughs> I think it's just in our nature. I don't know whether it's a Scottish thing, but you always think about the worst rather than think about the best. And I, I remember this ride, which uh, Andy and I, Andy decided to take me up in Monroe. In the early days right. and it, the weather was just horrendous and the the higher up we got the more snow there was and the yeah. and the cloud was really low and I remember just just bawling my eyes out and thinking what the hell am I doing here you know I can't see we don't know where the trail is I was really panicking about that situation um, and uh, there actually, Andy and I were reminiscing, and looking through some old photos recently, and I found a I found that picture of me, you know, crying at the top of Benaburd, <laughs> which is um, which is a is a is a mountain that I have uh, ridden many times since, uh, which I've enjoyed and uh, and and uh, actually isn't so challenging as it was that you know that first experience, but. They're the ones that I'll always cherish, and are so memorable because that was me, you know, suffering it, um, suffering it, uh, you know, so much that that I'll never forget the experience. <laughs> but in a way, it made me. But in a way, it made me more hard. Uh, it, it feel like it's made me more hard and resilient because I actually got through. You know that 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 difficult
0: experience.
1: So I suppose that's why they're the ones that I remember most.
0: So it's like knowing that you can like you can cope with that. You're like, yeah, I can survive. Yes. Snow up in Monroe. Absolutely. Nothing will ever faze me ever again. Oh yeah, no, I think that's like
1: exactly. I think that I think it builds your resilience to to be like that. Obviously now as a professional guide, yes. I I I wouldn't be in that position as I was many many years ago. And uh we wouldn't be turning back to head back down the hill, so these these memories I, I i really do cherish from from the early days and uh I feel that the you know the the resilience and the the risk that's involved in going out into the mountains actually helps with your your everyday life and makes you makes you feel that you can get through things no matter no matter
0: what it is and that's something that you've um, you are bringing to to younger women and girls isn't it that you've mentioned mm-hmm. before that you, you you work with them and take them out and introduce them to to riding and and help build their resilience what kind of response do you get you know do they are they always up for it or are they a bit like ah! and then you know how how does it affect them young
1: girls are great to work with but young girls you know they they they're twice as likely to drop out of sport between the between the ages of 11 and 13 and that's a real concern you know to because you know we we all benefit so much from sport it's good for mental and physical health and well-being and you know for, for many girls they drop out because other things come in the way and and I remember from a time when I was that age that you you start to think about your body image you think start to think about how you look how you're perceived um, and you know the things that you value about yourself is is uh, your weight your um you know how you look to boys it was all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. I remember from from that early age and that takes you away from, the, you know, sport and actually getting out into the outdoors. But what you would hope from the experiences you, you bring these young girls is that even though they might drop away, they will have that experience of getting out into a bothy, you know, bikepacking um, uh, for a day or two out in, in the wild and being able to remember that experience when they're older. And actually, realizing how much they got from that, and maybe they might go back to that in the future one day. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, that we are giving something to those girls that will be able to get something from that when they, you know, when they when they get out their teenage years. But but the other side of it is there may be girls that we actually can, you know capture at that age and continue to to love mm. the outdoors through their teenage years and and I think that in itself is a, is a, is a real success for us to 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 be able to give them that experience and to be able to feel that they have achieved something so amazing for themselves because it's hard to go out and stay in a bothy mm. it's hard to have all that weight on your bike to to go backpacking it's hard to be away from your parents uh it's it's hard that you're in the freezing cold that you have to sleep on a, a you know a hard uh a hard bed for the for the night so all of this is quite an uh quite an amazing achievement for a for a young person so but, but now we've got a really exciting project going on, obviously we've done doing some bothy bike packing, and that's what I still want to do, when we're yeah. allowed to do after after the restrictions have eased but just now,'m i working with uh chris bryant who who runs a local cycling club in innerleason, and uh Caroline McCaig who is a a secondary school teacher in the one of the local schools. And um, we've set up something called Miss Adventures.
0: I love the name. Uh,
1: is, I love the name too. And we, you know, we're planning to, we had lots of plans to to do a festival and to get young girls out there. But obviously that all was put in pause. But we're getting them to do some, a, a series of videos for us, which is called MIME MTB Essentials so we 're empowering young girls to to tell us how to prepare to go riding, what to pack, how to wear your helmet correctly, how to do your hem check and um, and how to to you know how to ride safely on a road so they 're all doing that themselves during lockdown and we 're uh, working with andy McCamlish, she 's a, a filmmaker to to pull it all together and uh, launch it in a couple of weeks so we're really excited to be doing something a little bit different yeah but it's it's all that we can achieve in these <laughs> restrictions at this time you know we're really delighted because we've got Endura backing us as well will
0: we get to see the results of this ourselves or is it is it going to be in-house just for them oh
1: no 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 it's not in house this is this is this will be launched uh, in march sometime so we'll we'll get to to see the to see the little films and then um, hopefully when it's safe to do so we will be bringing them all together and andy will be doing a film with all of them together as a group but for now hopefully you know other young girls will be able to learn from from these guys that are that are actually doing the films and uh, being able to share their
0: stories of, of what they've been doing through lockdown. Excellent. You know, hopefully as well, some more budding filmmakers as well, some more outdoor journalists. It could spark a, spark a whole lot of uh, inspiration and, and more trickle-down effects, which would be so good to see. OK, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be really cool. And I love the name. The name is amazing. Are they going to be T-shirts? Because I feel like Oh, we, we need have we, we, we know we've got
1: jerseys. Oh nice! And um, and Jura's supported us with uh, uh, designing some beautiful jerseys for us. So um, yeah, we'll be wearing them in the videos. So we'll be yeah, we'll be we'll be showing them off. But we absolutely love them. The color scheme, the design.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, yeah, we can't wait to to get them
0: on and, and show them off. <laughs> And you've been working just talking about Endura a little bit more. Um, you've been working with Endura for a long time. And um, but I know that they've they have always done a lot of work with you. So you've worked together a lot. Um, and also they they do a lot of work supporting um, the environment and supporting local communities as well. So mm. they're very much not just about here's our lovely products and they are lovely, um, but also you know this the whole ecosystem of cycling I guess as well so the the place that we cycle and the people that cycle and the communities around cycling as well how I mean is that one of the reasons that you've worked with them for so long?
1: Absolutely I mean that's a really good example of of a company you know actually recognising its social responsibility and engaging with different community groups um, and you know uh, looking at their responsibility around the environment and they've done some great projects and they have something called the Endura Lifecycle Trust and it's a facility that charities and community groups can use there's a there's a trail there's um there's jumps there's a a really beautiful building that um people can access uh, to to take groups to to whether it's for coaching you know cycling whatever um, and you know they're really uh, keen to people to, to to use this facility and share it. So so they're doing lots of good things to you know engage with with uh, communities and and I think yes it's one of the reasons that we. We were drawn to Endura, but I think you know, for us, we're, we're probably quite biased here. This is where we maybe our con- unconscious our conscious bias is kicking in. Where they are a <laughs> Scottish based, you know, based brand. Obviously, they're 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 wider, they're more global now. But they, you know, the they're, they're Endura, the factory itself is actually based in in Scotland. So, so you know that uh, you know that that's something that we're we're very proud of. But yeah, they're they're you know the the. They, they've been so supportive around the, the work we've been doing with the, the FNY Collective and, and mm. uh, you know, we're there for, the, for the, 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 sorry, I have to say the word, so the Fanny Hunt in and Oh, no, absolutely. I... <laughs> Fanny, can I just explain? Fanny, Fanny... Yeah, you
0: better have. I
1: love saying the word Fanny, but it's, you know, people might think it's offensive, but actually, it's a, it's a term of endearment in Scotland to, to show your your solidarity to your to your sisters or brothers so so yeah so we're called the FNY collective which is a, a group of women that have got together to encourage more women to to cycle and to get into mountain biking <laughs> but uh, we're either called the the FNY collective which stands for you know fearless nurturing and young at heart or we're called the Fanny Collective
0: uh, in, in the insight <laughs> Depends on the context. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you've also, um, am I right in thinking the, the Fanny Collective, you've also been doing a lot of trail digging as well and trail maintenance. You're working on on trail oh, building. Or are we allowed to talk about that? Or kind that of. Yeah, no, no, we have. We, we, we did
1: start a, a trail working with the Forestry Land Scotland and the Recreation Manager, Katie Jarvis, she led a couple of of um digs to uh so that we could actually uh work on a bit of red trail in Glentress and but unfortunately COVID hit and so we weren't able to finish the trail, so we're gonna have to, to come back to that. But that was incredible. We had I think we had about twenty women wow. in a session just using tools. Yeah getting some advice from Katie on how to use them what they wear and and just getting in there and digging in the dirt it was it's lovely to see that because it means that you know you're learning something mm. else about the mountain biking you're, you're you're thinking about the environment in which you you're you're riding and i think one of the things about the digging and and the work of people like uh, organizations like the Tweed Tr- Valley your Tweed Valley Trails Association as well is that it makes you think yourself um as a rider how to ride, mm. uh, in order to 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 protect your trails, you know so so you you think about it, diff- it differently in the sense of how much effort and hard work goes into trails but,
0: yeah.
1: you know you might think about when to ride what the weather's like, um you know this this you your your line choice mm. as well and you, you don't want to to create these new lines that that actually deviate from from what was originally there so it makes you start to think differently about about how you write and i think that's a i think that's a good thing for for everybody to to have a bit of that and to be able to experience that yeah
0: i i like i i did a bit of trail digging for the first time last summer and oh, it it just i think it did actually change my perspective on cycling or mountain biking quite a lot, there's something about, as you said, having helped make a piece of trail that and then you watch people ride it and have fun over it and you're like, oh, I, I did that bit. Like, I've, I've stopped and shown people the drain that I built. Like, like, come over here, I want to show you this is my drain. I built this drain, with help, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just valuing the amount of work that goes into digging these trails in the first place and then looking after them and it's just, I know, it's a huge amount of time and effort, physical, hard physical effort. And to think about the, you know, the people who
1: origi- who originally made them, you know, maybe one or two people, <laughs> yeah, that actually spent hours and hours. I mean, we we were so fortunate in the Tweed Valley. We've, you know, we've got some great people working out there. But it's great to have the the Tweed Valley Trails association to to make that official and to to build a, a a strong set of volunteers to be able to get out there and learn from trail builders and and know how best to you know to to maintain what we have and 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 to make it better as well and safer and more enjoyable for for people to ride and it's mm-hmm. lovely to see that um in the last year there's been a number of Trail associations that have popped up. You know, I know mm. I was uh, speaking to Tommy Wilkinson, who's in the Rothbury area, and he's set up a a trail association in in that area. And I know that Stu Thompson has, mm. with his uh, friends, have set up a a trail association in Stirlingshire as well. So it's really good to see that you know there's there's been a real momentum for it, and to 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 see more trails associations uh, around the the country. Um, you know spring up and and it also for them to to be able to work together and learn from each other yeah. so and it also helps the owners to have mm. you know to for the mountain bike community to to have a greater voice to um you know right
0: across scotland um, and Anila, i know we've been chatting on for a bit so some really important questions to finish what would be your go-to trail snacks
1: no, oh, I was waiting for that question. <laughs> that, was my... <laughs> that was like the most easy question from uh, from Eva. Um, yeah, oh, I love trail snacks. If, you know, my bag is always full of them. Um, I used to love Haribo's. You know. Yeah. I think now it's uh, <laughs> you know I talked to, I was talking about sausages earlier with you. My favourite sausages are Richmond um, meat free sausages. Yeah. So I have a little bag and I will take my uh, toasted vegan sausage sandwich with some brown sauce and just pop that into my, my fanny pack and, uh, <laughs> and, and just find the perfect spot in the hill with my Bengal spice tea in my flask. Uh, just to, to have a munch at my, at my trail snacks. So, yeah, trail snacks have changed during lockdown. I seem to want to go and find spaces where we can, you know, sit and relax, look at the view yeah. and just have a nice bite to eat. So, yeah, my favourite trail snack right now is, like, a sausage sandwich with, with HP sauce.
0: The great thing about sausage sandwich, though, is that it tastes good hot or cold. So, you know, it's always good, I think.
1: Well, the thing is,
0: it's lukewarm by the time uh, by
1: the time I eat it. So, um, because it's you know it's it's in its little
0: bag, so it's still got some warmth to it, which makes it even more tasty. You should like put a little hot pack next to it as well, and then you can like keep the temperature in. Or just ride really hard and have it next to your skin. No, maybe not. I'm getting carried away now.
1: It's maybe not. have
0: it have it under my crock top. And, Perfect. Uh, keep it warm in there, and then it will yeah, warm you I've got plenty, as you I've got plenty. Go as well
1: yeah I've got plenty in there to to keep keep things warm. <laughs> I was actually laughing you you did a um a little portrait of me recently yes. using some of your um artistic skills of of me and a bike. um you can maybe explain what it was, but I thought it was a very good representation of me, but I was just disappointed in the size of my boobs. I can
0: not they weren't when i started carving it uh to be, so an explanation I, I i started doing lino printing, and uh a photo of anila was my second ever attempt um and the problem is it's because you carve away i i I accidentally carved away anila's boobs, so sorry about that Anila next time That's I'll make so sure true. they're in there i, know, I thought I think you did
1: a really good job uh, other than the other than the the, the flat pancakes
0: yeah. <laughs> Um that's actually a question quickly then about kit because as a, a fellow busty lady I do have issues with cycling kit sometimes. Have I mean how do you how do you find most kit? Do you have to size up or are you okay on, on the clothing front? Uh yeah,
1: well <laughs> I am actually. For a small person I'm quite busty. So I uh I find that the clothes that fit me yeah, they do fit me, but it tends to kind of show my shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so rather than kind of having that kind of loose, yeah. loose feel to it, it's. Um, I'm always conscious that I look busty, <laughs> because a lot of athletes are. You know, the, I'm aware that a lot of athletes are not as busty. So. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so yeah, you you are conscious of that of yourself. So. So yeah, I tend to I like I think for me personally I like to be, um, I like to have things close to my core yeah, <laughs> to keep me yeah. warm. Um, so I I, I I suppose that it kind of does reveal my shape quite a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but um,
0: yeah, I don't I don't feel it's, oh, it's just because I've had the issue that I've sometimes had to size up a jacket purely because right. it doesn't fit. But I you know if you've not had that then that's then I'm just yeah, jealous. Yeah. No, <laughs> I've, I've
1: had, had uh, Yeah, I mean we've we'd had a when we had the, the Fanny hunt last year and we had our, our women's mountain bike festival in Glentress and Jura actually came and did a workshop. Were mm. you were you at that? I either? was
0: it was fascinating.
1: And it was fascinating actually listening we've talked about Ellen Jura a lot, a lot to do. Um it was fascinating the the workshop that they did and how expressive the women were mm-hmm. about actually you know clothing and how important it is to them mm-hmm. and the size of their you know their 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 chamois pads to you know um having clothes that look fitted mm-hmm. and, um, tops that look fitted to to thinking about sweat and and all sorts of stuff it was really quite eye-opening in the sense that you know there 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 are still a lot of challenges with mm-hmm. with women's clothing in cycling and there it's quite limited in terms of what what is what is out there yeah you know uh, in the, uh, within the market
0: and I think like it's really good that brands like Endura are actually going out and asking people and I'm, I'm sure it's happening elsewhere as well um but it's i i see a lot of conversations on, on social media groups about like oh you know what can i find and i think some of them it almost feels like there there might be options out there but it's not obvious unless you know where to look or know what they're called already mm-hmm. and word of yeah. mouth is so important for for women in mountain biking when it comes to finding out about kit mm-hmm. or solving problems yeah. and maybe this links back again to the whole thing like it's not been covered anywhere else it's it's down to these, you know, these grassroots grassroots group to share these information.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, for and I know it must be quite difficult for some women as well because uh, I know that with some cycling companies, uh, clothing companies, they may only go to size fourteen or size sixteen, and and then for women that want to that are of a, a bigger size uh, are are told to to go to the men's sections you know and that in itself can be quite you know disheartening or it's not something that somebody might want to hear yeah that they're not part of the women's women's range because they're too big to be in that range and so Mm -hmm. you know what does that tell you about that you know clothing company that it's reinforcing that women are of a certain size
0: yeah and and, Hands up! I'm in that position at the moment. Um, I've put on a lot of weight over the last two years, particularly the last year. with has been a little lockdown cake happening, and mm-hmm. I have really struggled to find cycling kit that fits me. There's mm-hmm. more options on the lycra side of things, but mountain bike kit, not a huge amount out there, and mm-hmm. it is quite like. that I, I got really upset because I couldn't find a waterproof jacket. That would fit me. And it's like it's not just that and especially because I'm I'm quite booby as a woman, I even the men's sizes aren't necessarily working because they're not designed to have space in the chest. Um and it's like it's not it's not just that, you know, I, I you know don't feel good. It's like I I'm literally I'm not sure I can go out riding because I don't have anything to wear. I don't have a waterproof jacket. I can't mm-hmm. ride in the winter without a waterproof jacket. I found one, Alpkit go up to a size 18, thank you, Alpkit. But um Yes yeah, just yeah it it was pretty like oh great thanks thanks cycling yeah, thanks. I know we need we need we need that to change don't we Yeah yeah
1: um yeah because it's it about being inclusive at the end of the day and and it is it is these small it may seem like a small change but actually it can be really significant in thinking about actually women are just as part of the sport as everybody else
0: yeah no, we're not an afterthought we're not like a tag on we're not like a oh well you know maybe you could read it afterwards we are an audience we should be a core audience and we should be treated as such come on the women um <laughs> your right difficult possibly a difficult question or possibly a simple question because i mean who knows what's going to happen this year but anila what are your plans for 2021
1: To be honest i don't have i don't have any plans (laughs) i'm just taking it day by day Mm -hmm. uh, and to see what what's happening it's very difficult to plan at this moment in time and even mentally it's it's difficult to 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 plan when you have so much uncertainty around you so for me i'm taking it i'm taking it easy and Obviously we we don't know what's gonna happen with our tours, whether we'll mm. be able to run them this year. Uh, you know, we've had a, a year where we've not been able to to guide and, you know, you know, run our holidays. Mm. So for us that's 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 been a real blow. But you know, we're we've 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 come to terms with that. But I think for for us as a business, we have had to look at how we can do things differently and for us and for me, using my my professional role around diversity and inclusion mm. has actually been a, um, a real godsend in terms of where, you know, we could be potentially heading because mm. the industry
0: needs it. And how's the uh, new bike as well? Talking of, of, well, of lockdown projects, have you been out riding it oh, much?
1: Yes, I have. I have. It's been... It's it's been an absolute dream to be honest. I've not been able to take it any down anything you know too gnarly for over the last few weeks because of the the snow and and ice, mm. but I've certainly given it a um, a good run uh, at uh, you know with with what we have around us and in the in the, the area that I live. But the Maverick has been a, an absolute dream to be to be riding and and great to. Um, you know to be uh, to have been able to have had the opportunity to build it as well yeah. you know with working with Andy to to support me on that, but actually being able to do it myself was a was a big um big step for me didn't really have the confidence for for years to to do it, and you know when you're looking at a frame and you're looking at the parts all all sitting you know you know side by side with each other and thinking how the hell do you put this thing together i think Mm. it was a it's been a really great covid project lockdown project for me to be able to do something like that
0: more practical than a jigsaw puzzle
1: (laughs) it did feel like a
0: jigsaw puzzle (laughs) to be honest it was like where does that bit go andy (laughs) just before we finish was there a particular charity that you wanted to give a shout out to
1: Yes, thank you for um, thank you for letting me share my charity and one of the ones that I would like to pick is the one that has been established just very recently, which is the Women of Color Cycling Group. Yay! And I've been an uh, an external advisor and a, an active supporter of the group, uh, for for the last. Four or five months and supported them in getting them set up as a, as a charity uh, because I want them to be awesome. They are such an amazing group of women that have come together to encourage more women of color to get out and ride bikes and it's been it's been a great great thing for me because I've met people not just locally in Scotland but I've met women across the UK. Um, who have come together to share their experiences of riding bikes, some of the barriers that they've experienced um, and be able to have that safe space to, do, to be able to talk about it and uh, learn from each other. So, so, yeah, big shout out to the Women of Colour Cycling Group. They are doing amazing things and please look them up and support them, support their cause um, because they're doing great and wonderful things
0: thanks for listening to the spindrift podcast i'm Eva glass and my guest today was anila mckenna if you enjoyed it then show your love by subscribing and leaving some feedback it really helps you can also check out the website and follow us on instagram at spindrift underscore podcast as ever i'll be sharing all the links anila mentioned on the website and on social media Thank you so much for listening. Happy riding and see you soon.